uh, you know, uh, I got nothing but love for uh, Jamie. I know he's salty. I know that this situation is dire, and I don't feel like it's fair. So I feel like it's even if it makes me look bad, you know, I come out of this and maybe bring this stuff to light again. It, it is what it is, you know, trying to do the right thing by him, but, you know, it obviously was his doom. Injustice Anywhere presents Snowfire, the wrongful conviction of Jamie Snow and how they got away with it. Snow Files, Episode 7, Drive-By Confession, Ed Palumbo and Shannon Schmidt-Wallace. The mission of the Snow Files podcast is to expose the misconduct of the state's attorney's office under Charles Renard. It is not our intention in any way to disparage the current state's attorney's office or the Bloomington Police Department. was a jailhouse witness who testified against Jamie in 2001 at trial. Palumbo testified that within days of the Clark Station murder, Jamie confessed to him as they were passing each other on Olive Street in their cars driving in opposite directions. Palumbo further testified that within weeks they had another conversation at Funk's Grove. During that conversation, according to Palumbo, Jamie told them they talked about how the composite drawings did not look like Jamie. Plumbo also testified that Jamie told him the kid was being a smartass, and so Jamie shot him, and that Jamie told him it wasn't as hard as he thought it would be, and that Jamie did not get a lot of money from the crime. Plumbo was brought in for questioning about the bus station robbery on April 2, 1991. In the first police interview, Plumbo confessed to that crime, stating he was paid $730 but had stayed in the car. At this time, Plumbo was under tremendous pressure but he said nothing about the supposed confession that Jamie made to him about the Clark murder. Palumbo was released that night, and he ran. On April 16, 1991, when police were searching for Palumbo, they interviewed Palumbo's girlfriend, Shannon, who stated that she felt that Palumbo was at Rick Barkas's residence. There was no mention of the drive-by on Morris Avenue or a confession by Jamie Snow at that time. They only discussed Palumbo turning himself in later that evening. On April 17, 1991, Palumbo again spoke with police and didn't mention anything about Jamie confessing to a murder, even though he was desperately trying to get himself out of trouble. Palumbo's girlfriend, Shannon, spoke with police on April 23, 1991, and stated that Palumbo had told her on April 2nd that he passed Jamie in his car on Morris Avenue, and they stopped to talk. Jamie asked Palumbo if he had read about him in the paper, and said gun went off and the kid died. Shannon also stated that Ed told her that he told Rick Barkas over the phone about it. This is the first mention of any confession by Jamie, although both Shannon and Palumbo had been interviewed by police numerous times throughout that month. On May 9, 2001, an interview was conducted with Ed Palumbo, without his attorney, Mike Barford, present. From the police interview, after the meeting between Palumbo and Mr. Barford was completed, 
Sergeant Bernardi and I spoke again with Mr. Barford. He advised us that we may speak with his client about the conversation we had with the possible suspect. He also stated he wanted us to talk to his client about his involvement in the armed robbery that he was in custody for. We were also informed that he could speak with Palumbo about his knowledge of other crimes committed. Mr. Barford advised us that he would not be present in the room during the interview, but he would check back with us in about 20 minutes. He then left. It was during that interview on May 9th that Palumbo stated that Jamie Snow was responsible for four or five robberies that had occurred in the area, including the bus station robbery he had confessed to earlier. Plumbo also talked about being at Jamie's house several times. And one of those times, Jamie had showed him the 38 and 25 caliber guns. Ted Plumbo and I were not as close as people uh, thought we were. The state tried to portray like we were friends. We, we were acquaintances. I knew him, but we weren't hanging out together. He was never at my house. He never came over to my, my house and was hanging out at the house. He was never around my family, my kids. You know, none of that stuff. So, what's really striking to me about his whole his whole thing in this case was that, you know, when the murder happened, he was at Rick Barkus's, Detective Barkus's house, having Easter dinner with him, and Rick got the call to to report to the gas station because there'd been a homicide, and Ed. And one of his police reports said that him and his girlfriend went to the went to the crime scene and was, you know, that night was there, you know, looking on as they were doing whatever they were doing. And then lo and behold, according to Ed, the very next day, he sees me and I I confessed to him that I committed this crime. I mean that's that's just so unbelievably ludicrous to me. How lucky for him and his and his and his buddy, the detective, I'm eating dinner at your house, and you're called to this the scene of this this homicide, and 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 the very next day, the person who does it tells me how coincidental is that? It was also at that time that Palumbo stated for the first time that Jamie confessed to doing the Clark murder. Palumbo then stated that they pulled their cars alongside of each other and had a conversation. Jamie Snow had asked Palumbo if he could get him some pot. Palumbo states he told Snow no. He further states that Jamie then asked him, Did you hear what I did? Palumbo states he again said no to Snow. Snow then stated, Did you hear about that kid at the Clark station? Palumbo states he then said no to Jamie. Snow then stated, Have gun, go off, kid dies. I stopped him. And, you know, he said that I had said to him, I don't remember exactly what he had said, but he said I said something about committing a crime. But, you know, the truth was I knew that he'd been out doing armed robberies with the with someone else. I knew he was out doing that kind of stuff. And I was just making a flippant remark to him about, I read about you in the newspaper, uh, you know, what happened, you know, the, the, the kid wouldn't give you the money or what, and he looked at me crazy, and he drove off, and I never saw him again until he came into, into the courtroom to testify against me in 2001, 2000, at my, at, at the, at the, at my trial. Never saw him again until I saw him in the, in the courtroom. Palumbo's bus station robbery confession was thrown out. However, that didn't stop police. Palumbo ended up getting 19 years for residential burglary. And at that time, police didn't take his hearsay knowledge stating Jamie committed all of these crimes seriously. It seems they had an axe to grind with Palumbo too, and used every bit of their authority to ensure he received an extended sentence for the residential burglary conviction. Recall the newly discovered 1993 memo from FOIA. The officer responding to Katz's request to indict Jamie pointed out that he put very little credence in the Palumbo lead, that Palumbo had a hidden agenda, that Shannon was only parroting Palumbo, and that it was totally hearsay. It wasn't until 1999 that new detectives Barks and Katz reached out to Palumbo once again. It was only then that Palumbo took the stand against Jamie. 
claiming one more time that Jamie confessed to him during that drive-by on the street. But he went on to add a few new details, stating, Shannon was actually in the car with him, and when they got home, he asked her if she had heard what Jamie said. In a few weeks after the drive-by incident, they met at Funk's Grove and had a disagreement with Jamie, telling him it wasn't so smart to have that conversation in the car in front of his girlfriend, Jamie's wife and the other girl. And at this time, Jamie told him that he took care of the gun. That Jamie also told him at Funk's Grove that he didn't look like the composite in the newspaper. That Jamie said the kid was a smartass, so he shot him. And it wasn't as hard as he thought it would be. And he didn't get a lot of money. Additionally, Shannon backed Palumbo's story up when she testified, stating that she was in the car with Palumbo during the exchange, but testified that she just heard the word paper. However, in a newly discovered taped interview from 1999, shortly before trial, Shannon was directly asked whether she was in the car with Palumbo, and she states no. After all, they had to have someone to corroborate Palumbo's story told me he came to an intersection on Morris Avenue and saw Jamie Snow and Snow asked him if he saw his picture in the paper that morning and then Ed said that Jamie said the gun went off and the kid died. Now when you said that morning, when was that? It was the day after the shooting Okay, so the shooting had happened March 31st, 1991. So the next day would have been... April 1st. Of 1991. Now, were you with Ed at the time this conversation took place? No. Where were you at? I was probably at home. In 2015, Palumbo stated in an affidavit, recanting his testimony. When I was brought in for questioning, Detective Barkas and his partner interviewed me. Detective Barkas became uncontrollably angry during the interview, so much that Detective Barkas's partner had to leave the room. I felt intimidated by Detective Barkas. I felt intimidated by other law enforcement officers too because I felt Barkas may have been influencing matters. Once I was convicted and sent away, I felt less pressure. I don't believe that Jamie Snow was responsible for killing Bill Little. I never thought in my life that Jamie Snow would have had anything to do with killing anybody. I believed that when Jamie Snow went to trial, and he was going to be found not guilty. Palumbo further recanted in October of 2019 in an interview with Bob Ruff for the Truth and Justice podcast. It was, so it's, this was May 9th, 91, so about a, five weeks after. Uh, it was an eight-page statement, but so this is what's weird. It says, was I in jail then? I think so. So it says your attorney, Mike Bradford. Wow. Spoke with you. Basically, they, your attorney gave the police permission to interview you without him present. Wow. Is what the police reports say. See, I don't remember any of that, you know, but I, I remember the whole thing being shady because the whole, every time, even when I talked, I, I, I'm, I was under a lot of stress, but even when I talked to his attorney, I told the man, you know, that I, I would testify for the defense because I did not believe that, that Jamie Snow had anything to do with that. Well, I guess let me ask you this, because I'm, I'm trying to piece together from old reports and the affidavits that you wrote later. Did Jamie actually say that to you, that he killed that, that he killed Bill? He didn't say that. What did he say to you? Basically, did he? Did I read about him? You know that that whole situation. Did you you read about me in the paper? Yep. Last night. So, and you, where are you guys at? Like, like when does this, so Olive and um, Morris and Olive Street? I don't know, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. Were you guys at an intersection? Did you pull up next to each other? Right before the intersection. And so you guys are hollering across from from car. Did you get out of the car? No. So you're just right next to each other. Park cars. I mean, that's I've been over there. I mean, that's I mean, there's there's traffic there. There's cars moving there. Right? So you guys couldn't have parked too long, right? Not then. Yeah, you know, my, maybe I misunderstood them. Well, that's what I'm. That's, I mean, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I I'm just, I, I get it, but I, I 
I, and maybe I, I, I misunderstood him. So, but that was what the, the best you remember. I guess walk me through that as best you remember that incident. Understand. We both understand it's been 28 years, but you're driving. Do you remember where you were going or what was going on? No. Okay. It was just driving and I seen him and I didn't even know that I asked, you know, he asked me for some smoke. I don't even remember that. Mm -hmm. It was like a a nightmare all those TV years later, really. (laughs) Well, you, yeah, I mean, this is 20 years later and you're still sitting here talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and then, you know, who would believe that they would give him all life in prison? Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Who would have believed that this hearsay, even telling his own, his attorney, you know, I mean, where, where's all that stuff at? That's, that's when I was saying, Hey, and then when I said I didn't know, you know, certain people, you know, that should have let him know that I was, you know, contemplating, you know, I was on no, you know, I was on Jamie's side, mm-hmm. but. The, the longer it went on, you know, the more it was like, ooh, you know, this is, I can't turn this around. And I wasn't so smart as manipulating the system like I thought, you know. Now, you know, I got, you know, all this time for a burglary, and are they just putting me away for a later date, you know? And I started getting like, what, you know, man, you know, why did I get all this time for a burglary, you know? Right. And then why are they all of a sudden taking him to court right before I get out, you know? Because when they came to me, I said, hey, shit, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm sick of this shit. I'm going to jail. Right. I'm going to SAG. And then, you know, when we got to Logan, you know, they just look, you know, we know, you don't, you want to you know, go to SAG till you get out. You know, you don't have to get out, you know, you can do the rest of your time, you know, more than, you know, the time you've done. At that point, I didn't think I was going to be able to make it home. You know, I didn't think I was going to be able to make it home. Mm-hmm. Per, you know, people that were hating on me. In, also, the, pr- in the prison? Yeah, yeah. See, I had the power of good and evil, you might say. You know, I had people that loved me that were saying, man, you know, we don't want to get involved in this bullshit, but you got, you know, it's kind of like, you know, stop sign, go, you know, you know, right. you could go. No, you know, how personally are best are you, you know, how did you get from what you actually remember, which was you guys pulling up him saying, did you read about me in the paper? You know, and the other person that was there that time was, was Tammy said she did remember that she told me that she remembered the conversation but she remembered it the other way around that Jamie was asking you if you read about you in the paper because the bus station robbery was the night before. But whatever, whatever that conversation was one way or the other, I'm not here to figure out, you know, right. who, who right. Heard, it, heard it right. Who's telling the truth. It don't matter. It went from that to years later, you're testifying at trial that he said he shot the kid confessed. It went from Shannon wasn't with you to Shannon. And Shannon's story changed over the years that she was at home and you told her about it to then she was there. There's a lot going on, a lot of stuff. And I told you when we sat down that looking at the record, you look like an asshole. But I feel like there's more. And to be clear too, I mean, afterwards you came through and you've written two affidavits to try to help Jamie afterwards. Yes. Doing the right thing. So this, but what I want to know, and it's not for these cops, they, they they definitely didn't do Jamie right. They didn't do Jamie right at all. You know, they they were shady because they didn't tell the truth when they said that I never believed that he did that. You know, from the beginning, even his own attorney. Why didn't his attorney point that out? Why didn't why didn't why did we all go to court Right before I got out of jail. I mean, why was that so significant? It just don't make no well, sense. And that's that's what I'm getting at. I think that was probably strategic. Right. But I want to know what happened with you to go from you telling them, I don't think there's any chance Jamie did it, to testifying that you believed he did do it in court. What What happened during that time? Whether it's just 
your own conscious interactions with police, interactions with prosecutors, whatever the case may be, what got you into that position to where you were willing to stand up in court and testify to that? Um, I don't know. It, it's, it was a battle. What do you mean by that? A, it was a battle whether I should just totally, I definitely did not want to have anything to do with that shit no more. I thought, I, like I said, I never, ever, ever thought that anything I said would be significant enough to, to matter. Why didn't you think it would be significant? Because I never believed that Jamie did that. And I made that perfectly clear to every single person. And why wasn't that significant? Because they manipulated, you know, everything around, you know, not to make myself sound like a, a an angel, but, you know, I, I'm no angel, but damn, you know, I was just young and dumb and in love and, and I, I really honestly thought that this would be like swept under the rug. Did anyone ever, any of the authorities ever tell you that other people had yep. already said Jamie confessed? Yep. Yep. They did. They did. Who told you that? After I went to jail or, or because I had a big problem with, uh, uh, Julie was getting, uh, breaking up with Marcus mm-hmm. and, and she wanted to go, you know, visit me while I was in jail. Mm-hmm. There was a big problem because she worked there. Right. I don't know if you know about that. Uh, but anyway, you know, once you got arrested for the, Bus station robbery. They they pretty much distanced him from me then, mm-hmm. because I guess he was in you know charge of that that case where the right. kid with Bill Little's case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after I went to jail in prison, you know he he never was around. So you didn't have any more contact with him after no, that. They made sure of that. Even in '99, when they come back and interview you and you get ready for trial, nothing with Barkus. I never. I don't remember ever seeing him. Who'd you deal with? Was it cats? Probably one of them. Mm-hmm. They're they're manip- they're but boy, they lie. They 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 all they know it. How did it lie to you? Yeah. What they te- what do they do to lie to you? I I I told them. I says, Jamie didn't do this shit. They didn't care. Mm-hmm. I told them that I would testify to that, and they they didn't care. Are they the ones that told you that other people had already? Yeah. Yeah. They said, man, you're. It, you, this ain't you know nothing. I told Mac, and then then quit calling me. <laughs> right. know, I don't want to be ridden back here. You know, I don't want to go to the grand jury and mm-hmm. all that shit. I don't want to be involved in this. I'm in I'm in prison, and you think I want to be you know taken out, knowing that I'm going to go to court for to testify against this Jamie kid? You you know that don't even make no damn sense. But you did go testify for, and, and that's what I'm curious is why did you, were they offered? And you I was any? ready to go out. I, 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 I was either do that, you know, they done brought me from the work camp where I was at mm-hmm. and put me in seg and told me I was going to Statesville or whatever, Joliet again. And then I ended up going to, uh, Logan and I have, they took all my property, held my property to the day I, I, I walked out. Didn't have no property the whole time I was there. It kept my TV and everything. Was that was that standard procedure? Were they Hell doing no. that to push you into testifying? They they weren't giving me nothing. They weren't going to give me nothing unless I went to court, you know. Or or you know, they kept that shit to the day I walked out of jail. They would not give it to me. They weren't happy about that shit. Well, that's what I'm trying to figure out. What what is the pressure? I know. I'll tell you. I've heard from other people that one of their tactics was, well, listen. We just need, he's already getting convicted anyway. And they, and they, because everybody else is already doing this. Right. And they were offered, did they ever offer you any, any kind of Hell leniency? No. They didn't offer you anything for it. But I, you know, they always, you know, act like maybe, you know, you know, when I did it, I was already in jail and stuff, basically. I just did it for like a visit. Can I see my girlfriend? And, you know, I mean, that's all they did for me. 
let you visit. Yeah. Sh- is that Shannon? Yeah. So when they bring you back, that would, they would, they would let you see her. Yeah. That's it. They knew they had that. Mm-hmm. Marcus led him right into that. He, he knew that I didn't want to be, you know, I was young and in love, you know. He knew that I was willing to make a deal with the devil in order to stay home, but he already was too smart that he let me out that last time and I took off. That makes more sense. You've you've said to me several times a day that I was young and in love, but it didn't make sense to you just explain that. So they were playing on that. So I, I guess and I know I keep coming back to it, but you gotta understand the obvious question is when you tell me that you're telling them if I testify, I'll testify for Jamie. But then when you get on the stand, you didn't. And I can't. Well, I mean, find as out. time went by, I, I I told them basically. Man, they all, every one of them knew, even be, way before I even went to court, they all knew that. I, you know, by then they had, must have gathered all kinds of information. I I never really knew what the hell they had on him. They didn't have nothing but a bunch of yous, right? A bunch of guys just like you, right? And that this that that always baffled me. I was like, "What the hell?" I figured we would be drinking, laughing about this years later. Maybe punch me in the eye or something. I mean, and then you know, I mean, but man, who in my in my wildest dreams? I was, I didn't even realize it. Honestly, God, I was like, and you know, it wasn't. I didn't think I said anything that spurred spurred it on you know but jamie i mean honest to god i i thought everything was gonna be hearsay you know but then right i went to court i figured when someone's fucking with my time and i couldn't get at them and they're and it's all a bunch of bullshit who was fucking with your time i'm just saying that you know when you fuck with my time i'm gonna you know fuck with you well, my time, you know, I'm getting ready to get out of fucking prison after damn near nine years of prison. And people wanted to push it to the limit, you know. What do you mean by that? Try to try to make it where my, my, time, my time got fucked up. Like adding more to it or adding, putting you in seg and adding more to it, pushing me to do something that, you know, I might go to prison for the rest of my life or. So, I, I guess maybe I. So I, the question I had was backward before when I asked if they offered you a deal. They didn't, but were no. they threatening you with more time oh, yeah. if you did? Yes. Yeah, they they told me that they were going to bring me uh, to court and I could be charged with uh, perjury or uh, what? What else? Obstruction of justice. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not just that. Was that? It's different. Whatever adds up to five more years. Yeah, they probably for, said they they can they can call, they can throw an aggravated on the front of anything. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't. I already know. Aggravated obstruction of justice, aggravated perjury. Yeah, yeah, all that, all that. You know, and then I, I was thinking five years. I had myself convinced, you know, that I was not going to get out of prison. You know, that I might have to, you know, defend myself. You know, in the wrong circumstances. I mean, I, I don't know. I was in, under a delusion that I might not get out of prison for some reason. So here you sit. Let, let me know if this is a, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is this a fair assessment of the situation that you're months away from getting out? They bring you in. Weeks. Weeks. Right. right a month. A right. month. You know, really close. And they're telling you, yes. if you don't go testify against Jamie. Yeah. We're going to hit you with obstruction of justice. If I, don't go to, if I don't go to court. Yeah. Yeah. So is that the, 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 answer? the catalyst for me, even going, you know, and, and I still got one to say, they locked me in seg and shipped me. And then they said, they locked you me know, in seg before they didn't the say trial? shit. They, they packed all my shit. Uh, uh-huh. and they, they said, you're going to, to court. And I said, all my property and shit. And they said, and they told me I was going to Joliet or, or Statesville or whatever the hell it was at that time. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going to, to Logan or Lincoln. I can't remember which one it was where I had talked to some people about my situation. Right. And, uh, 
And they never gave you your property back? And then, no, yeah. I could, they didn't give me my property or nothing. No, nothing. So, and I was stuck in the, you know, the, the dome, you know what I mean? Well, and I was in the cushy spot. I was in work camp, man. So you were out, were out the camp. camp at the other prison? I was living the dream, man. Mowing every day, mm-hmm. bush hogging, you know, you know, love, loving prison, ready to get out. Right. Next thing you know is I'm not, you know, going to court or nothing. And they said, yes, you are. We're going. And then with that little threat, I, they threw me in seg and I was on my way. So you were you were in you were put in seg in seg yeah before the trial yes how long were you in seg before the trial do you remember I don't remember but I mean we're talking days weeks months oh shit weeks you know mm-hmm. we didn't you know no thinking I was going to seg to seg right and all because of this like I like I want to you know be involved in that I didn't want none of it but I was mad mm-hmm. and. In my mind, I'm telling, can I win this, you know, turn this around? No. So I, I, I get that. And that's where the story keeps going over and over and over, kind of like the way they wanted to, to go, making me the piece of shit the whole time when I really, you know, wasn't that much of a piece of shit. Because in the beginning, I thought, hey, I'm going to turn this around and, you know, the joke's going to be on them, you know. Mm-hmm. In my mind, somehow, <laughs> you know. In that confusion, I actually started believing that I might right. just turn this around. But it then it turned out, you know, I wasn't as smart as I thought I was, you know. And then they, you know, turned it around on me. Oh, yeah, you know. Well, now you're in SEG. We're taking your shit. Yeah. We're going to give you more time if you don't do Five it. Five more years, you know, for every charge, you know. that every, You know, I don't know, man. All I know is I've done all that time. And then I was just like, oh, my God. Now, here, now I'm getting out of prison. You know, I'm going to court on this joker, you know. I mean, this is crazy, man. This ain't me at all. I want as far as I can get away from that. So is that is that a fair assessment that they, I get the motivation, why? And then did you feel that it wasn't going to hurt anything anyway? Right. Especially with three other people disputing it. You know, saying, okay, he he said this, this shit, but he... He, everybody knows, everybody that knows Jamie knows that he's not that kind of guy, which would, even at the worst scenario, I mean, he's just a bragger and he ain't the person that did that, you know, cause mm-hmm. he ain't that guy. You know, he wouldn't even be acting like that if he done, did something like that. And you look at someone that has, you know, done something like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you've been in prison, you know, you know, it's someone they look just like anybody but they get that edge on 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 them you know you know they get that way about them hey jamie don't have that have you been around murderers in your life i've been in prison three That's times what I mean. yeah <laughs> i've been in prison three times well i guess and the reason i say that is because a lot of people listening when you're saying that that edge they don't if you've never been around somebody that yeah that would hurt you for real but you know what that looks talking. like yeah yeah, and that ain't Jamie. That ain't Jamie. Jamie's just a pot smoking, uh, slick talking, woman loving. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, that's the way Jamie is. Jamie's a ladies' man. Used to be, you know. Right. So, did you feel like, fine, I'll go in there, tell the story the state wants me to tell, so they don't fuck with me, and exactly. it's not gonna, and nothing's gonna happen to Jamie. Yeah. And, and and I really believe that anything at all, even that was said about Jamie, would just be a hearsay. Because who am I? I'm already in jail. You know, I'm right. I, I, I'm I'm, I'm going to make a deal with the devil. To, to why would that be? You know, and I'm not saying you know I was with him. You know, I witnessed. So why would this be so relevant? But I I believe that it was relevant because. You know, certain people, you know, they wanted to close the case and right. uh, by any means possible. And I think that uh, the record shows that they don't do very well. And if you don't believe in a blue line, then you really are a fool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're good. Their job is to make a conviction by any co- means possible. Right. An attaboy or not an attaboy. It's right. either good or 
or no good. So mm -hmm. they provide a service, which is take care of business, just like we provide a service, take care of business. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it is what it is. It's a war. You know, they, 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 they win a lot. And if you underestimate the law, then you're not, you're a fool. <laughs> Do you regret testifying against Jamie? Yes. What did I've, I've got the documents, but I'll let you explain. What did you do afterwards to try to help him? Anything I could. I know there's two two affidavits. You know, uh, I got nothing but love for uh, Jamie. I know he's salty. I know that this situation is dire, and I don't feel like it's fair. So I feel like it's even if it makes me look bad you know I come out of this and maybe bring this stuff to light again it, it is what it is you know try to do the right thing by him but you know it obviously was his doom and what I said was I felt like what I said was so minimal mm -hmm. that it would just be discarded but right. it wasn't it came to the point where they played that game which put me in court before I got out of prison and at that moment my a weakness I broke the code I just want to say one thing about Ed Palumbo you know I forgive him you know I I get it I, I understand what they did to him and they do it all across the country it ain't just in McLean County they do it everywhere you know they they use the fact that he was getting ready, he just done a long stretch in prison. He was due to get out, and you know they showed up and you know put the squeeze on him, and and uh, he wanted to be free. I get it. I understand. You know, and, and and am I angry? Yes, I'm angry. Of course, I'm angry. But do I forgive him? Yes, I forgive him. You know, because uh, he. Uh, you know, he, he fell victim to the same thing that they did to a bunch of people. Well, it wasn't just Ed that they put that same squeeze on. They did it to a bunch of people. So, you know, I I forgive Ed. And, I, and, and I'll be honest, you know, I, I think it took him a lot. It took a lot of courage for him to come clean. And when Bob Ruff interviewed him, he came clean and... and uh, you know, and, and admitted what he did. So, you know, I, I hope that more people that see what he did will get some courage, you know? It's never too late to do the right thing, you know? As long as the person that you wronged is still, is still around, you can always fix it. And if I had to point the finger at anybody to put the blame at the feet of anyone, it's at the prosecutor's feet. It's at the, the feet of, uh, you know, uh, a couple of, you know, Bloomington Police Department detectives. That's who I, I put the majority of the blame on them. They did this. Ed did what he did, but they put him up to it. And, uh, you know, in my book, you know, they, they, they're a million times worse than Ed or, or, or anyone else. None of these people could have done any of this without the consent of the prosecutor's office. Tina Griffin and Charles Reinhardt. No one. It had to be with their consent and their blessing. They knew what was going on, and they've known what 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 went on all these years. They weren't looking for justice for Bill Little. Charles Reinhardt wanted to be a judge, and they used this case to move their careers forward. And that's all it was. What gets me is they drug him out of prison. It was like, whoop, you're getting out, so here we go. We're going to drag your ass out of prison. Well, you know, and, and, and that memo kind of cooperates what he was saying because in that memo, they're talking about it, and they say he, he lately he's been telling to go fly a kite. And that's what he was. So he, he didn't want to have anything to do with it. He said that. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And that's when they took him 
out. That's when they took all his property. They took him off of work detail. They put him into, they took him to Logan, didn't give him any of his shit, put him in SEG and said, okay, you going to testify now? Because we can stack charges against you. In his mind, he was looking at, oh my God, it's not just five years. Because they're like, we can charge you for this for five years and we can charge you for this for five years. I mean, right. what is he supposed to do? And he knows they'll do it because they fucked him in the first place. Tam, what was Ed Plumbo in jail for at the time of his interview at the Bloomington Police Department? Why was he under so much pressure? And what happened to that case? Well, he actually had a lengthy record already, and he was eligible for extended sentence. Um, he was implicated in the bus station robbery and had initially confessed, complete confession to driving the getaway car. But Ed's attorney got that confession for the bus station robbery thrown out and got his charges dropped. But he was frantically accusing Jamie of several other robberies in town and the Clark Station murder robbery. Of course, he didn't give the details that he gave in testimony, which is, you know, the, you know, the big question. A lot of these change. People say one thing in 1991, and then they say something completely different in 1999 when they testified. And there were a lot of details that were included later on. He did go to jail for residential burglary, and he received 19 years in prison for that. The cops were furious. It could have been they felt like he got away with the bus station robbery. We don't know. But they locked him up and threw away the key. So when Jamie went to trial a week before Ed's release, after he had done about 10 years and his time was up for parole, that's when they dragged him into court and pressured him into telling these stories on the stand. So what exactly did they do to Palumbo in 2000 to get him to testify against Jamie? Well, a month before his release, they showed up. They took him out of the prison that he was in, and he was finishing his time, and he was in a, in a work program, which was great. He was happy at the end of, his, at the end of that very long stint. They took all of his property and threw him into SEG until Jamie's trial. And they told him that if he didn't testify, that he would not get his parole at 10 years. And they would tack on a perjury charge and give him five more years. So he does this long stint for residential burglary. And they come up to him. They take everything away right before he's about to get out. And they say, well, if you don't do this, we're going to give you five more years. Instead of the 19 years, they would tack on a perjury charge and give him even more time. So another five. So he was thinking that, you know, he was never going to get out. That he was going to spend his life, the rest of his life in prison. And that's, that's a lot of pressure. There seemed to be a cozy relationship between Barkas, his wife, and Palumbo and his wife. What was that all about? I'm not really sure what this, this friendly foursome was about. Obviously, they were all friends. Shannon testified that on the night of the crime, she and Ed were having Easter dinner with Julie Barkas and Rick Barkas. And that's when Rick got a call about the Clark Station homicide and they all went down there. Barkas's wife also had arranged for Palumbo to turn himself in. So they were definitely friends. Jamie's attorney tried to bring this relationship out when Shannon testified, but the judge wouldn't allow it. He said that it was a long tirade, but basically he said anyone who has some kind of relationship with anybody else involved in the state's case, he was asking whether they could come out and whether that was true or not. Could he ask, does Shannon know cats or some other witness know cats? And if you said, yes, I do, then then are you good friends? And then you'd have to call some third witness to say, I saw cats and that witness together. So they must be lying so he was saying that it could go on and on and on. The irony of this, in my mind, when I was reading this testimony, is that Ed Palumbo was the one that was the reason that 
Jamie's attorney got kicked off of the case because she had represented him in a completely different matter 10 years before. So, and that was, and actually the bus station, she had represented him in the bus station. She's the one that got the confession thrown out. We've talked about Ray before, who has been working on this case for, for many years. And he was, he's a former chief of police. He's retired. He always says that there's, they had a policy in their department that you couldn't be friends with informants. They had a strict policy. You know, you're not going out to dinner with them. You're not going out for beers. You're not hanging out at their house. So I, th- I, I just wanted to point that out because I thought that was a really interesting observation by Ray. Leslie, let's go over Palumbo's statements. What were the discrepancies with Palumbo's statements? When Palumbo was sitting in jail for the armed bus robbery, he confessed that he was driving the car and said he had information Jamie did a similar robbery. One month later, he was interviewed again while still in jail, and this time he threw in that conversation about the newspaper he had with Jamie through the car window. By this time, he had only said he told his girlfriend about that conversation. He never said she was in the car. During the interview, he also piled on and accused Jamie of five other robberies, having stolen guns in his home and a hole in the wall, and the Clark murder. He actually called the detective back in to see him on his day off two days later, back into the jail, and said he just wanted to make sure he understood what he said about Jamie. He only that time accused Jamie of two robberies, and he didn't even mention the Clark Station murder robbery at all. Two and a half years later, another officer reviews the case file and decides that Palumbo and his girlfriend are lying. It all has to do with him trying to get off for his own bus station robbery charges, and the lead is not credible. However, when the original detective retires and the detectives who were working on Palumbo get back into power, they pull Palumbo into the grand jury to indict Jamie eight years after the crime and five years after he was already cleared. This time, Palumbo says that his girlfriend was actually in the car with him when Jamie was talking about the newspaper and a gun going off, kid dies. He also adds in that Jamie told him later he got rid of the gun. He had extra details, too, like he remembered Jamie's face while he was talking about it again. He says he was so serious, he just knew too much. And interestingly, he says that Jamie was someone with a smart mouth who always slipped by. And that's exactly what the officer who cleared Jamie said. He said that Palumbo was probably jealous. Jamie got off for a similar crime while he was caught for his. So he thought, why not toss him in jail for the murder and all these other crimes? Well, the resentment in Palumbo's testimony is clear there. And he also added that Jamie said the composite didn't look like him, that Jamie's motive was that Bill had a smart mouth during the holdup. He had the nerve to say that this death was all the final result of Jamie living a life like that. I mean, I don't understand how he got all these extra details added in about Jamie's personality and things he resented about him. He kind of put a narrative to it all, and it was weird, and it makes me wonder who coached him or if he was just really bitter still. What's interesting to me also, and what's important, is Shannon's tape that we got from FOIA that we had not heard before. She still says, they ask her directly, was she in the car? She said, no, I was not in the car. I was not in the car with Palumbo when allegedly passed Jamie on on Olive Street. So they had to have Shannon to corroborate Ed Palumbo's story. Leslie, what happened with Palumbo at Jamie's trial? Well, he pretty much gave the same story he gave to the grand jury, the talk about the confession through the car window that his girlfriend heard The motive being that the victim had a smart mouth and that the composite did not look like Jamie. But here, contrary to his girlfriend's 1991 statement, he says he doesn't remember calling the police to report Jamie. But we know through his girlfriend that he told Detective Barkis over the phone. This statement was not brought out into court to impeach his testimony, and it was just missed. Jamie's defense attorney kept at him, though, and got Palumbo to admit that he had a conversation with an investigator recently where he admitted he didn't think that Jamie committed the crime. But it stops there. He got him to relent that, yeah, he said that to the investigator, but not to say he still believes that Jamie didn't do it right there on the stand. 
Pitzel also must have had an idea about how Detective Barkus was angry with him and pressuring him in the interrogation room because he asks him about his angry reaction when Palumbo supposedly said he would comply as long as in custody, but not when he got out. In response, Palumbo pulls the same stunt he did before, and he verifies that, yeah, they did have that conversation, but it just doesn't matter whose Detective Bark is. He has nothing to do with anything, and he's insignificant. And the lawyer stops asking about it. Uh, later on redirect by the prosecutor... Renard asks Palumbo if he was promised anything by prosecutors in return for his testimony. And that's interesting because he doesn't cite investigators or BPD at all. He just says myself or Tina Griffin. And of course Palumbo agrees with him. And Pitzel doesn't follow up on this and ask if anybody else made any promises or threats to him. Pitzel tried to ask Palumbo about his armed robbery case next, but it was objected to. And all that was said was by Palumbo saying, I don't remember if those charges were dismissed. But yes, they were. After he confessed, after he implicated Jamie in six crimes, he then got off the hook himself. And most shockingly, after this exchange, the jury is being dismissed and giving their instructions for the day not to discuss the case or review media about the case. And Palumbo, from the witness box sitting in there, addresses them out in open court and says, or don't smoke crack because we all know crack kills. And no one said anything in response. I mean, what the hell? How did they not? How did that not taint the jury? Was he saying that drugs were involved in this murder robbery? I don't understand it, why he was being so belligerent at that moment if he was so scared and he just wanted to go home. And that's really it. That's the last the jury heard from Palumbo. So in summary, what has Palumbo recanted to since all of this? Palumbo has submitted affidavits and done recorded interviews. He's recanted everything. He said that Jamie is right. They had the newspaper conversation in the car, and it was a misunderstanding about if Jamie was going to read about him in the paper. He says Jamie never said he killed Bill Little to him during that conversation. He admitted that he was gifted visits with his girlfriend for his compliance and that he was threatened with segregation and an extended prison sentence for perjury. However, what is missing is that he did not admit to making up the list of crimes in his statement to get out of the bus robbery, and he did not discuss how he changed his story to say his girlfriend was in the car during that supposed confession. He just says he thought it was all hearsay, it wouldn't go anywhere, and he was surprised Jamie's lawyer didn't bring up the fact that he was due for release one week after he gave his testimony. You know, I think he forgot, you know, about the whole car conversation. I've talked to so many of these people, and they don't remember what they said. It just seems to me like it was fed. You know, obviously, things were fed. So, Jamie remembers that conversation, though. We just heard him say that he remembers it. So, do you think they really did have that conversation? I think they did have the conversation. Tammy corroborated that conversation. Basically, they said they were passing each other on Olive Street, and all of these robberies were going on. And Tammy said they passed them, and Jamie just stopped real quick and said, Hey, I read about you in the paper. And and he just got this look on his face and sped away. Like, that was the extent of it. Now, Jamie says they never went to Funk's Grove. He doesn't even know what that's all about. Hiding the gun and and why did you say this in front of my girlfriend? And, you know, that was a whole other story. Yeah, and Jamie also says that Palumbo was never at his house. So that whole story about Jamie having two stolen revolvers and pulling them out of a hole in the wall in his trailer, uh, that was just completely fabricated. Palumbo was never at his house. The thing that got me was he tried to blame Jamie for a crime that he had just confessed to. You know, exactly. Every there were six of them. He threw him under the bus for five different crimes, five different burglaries and robberies. And then also was like, oh, yeah, and the murder. So what that tells me is that they were after Jamie. You know, that he was 
he was doing everything he could to give them what they wanted. Yeah, exactly. Because if, you know, when you read his, that police report, he doesn't mention anybody else. It seems like he had the direction to go in and he knew that he was supposed to be talking about Jamie Snow. And how does it go from uh, zero to six crimes, you know, just in one month? Yeah. And he was scared. I, he, he knew that they were pissed and he knew that they, that he was eligible for an extended sentence. And, and you know what? He was right because they locked him up. And then when that memo went out in 93, one of the responses to was we tried to talk to Ed and he ain't going to have anything to do with it. He's in there doing his time and that's it. He don't want to have anything to do with it. And the girlfriend, Shannon, is just parroting whatever he says. So he was that that person of authority with the police was saying that there was no credibility with Ed Palumbo or Shannon. And he was right. Yeah, he was. Ed, Ed Palumbo had told them to go fly a kite. He wasn't going to talk to them. Right. And he had also previously told Detective Barkas he was going to cooperate as long as he was in custody. But as soon as he got out, he would never say a harmful thing against Jamie Snow. Uh, so, you know, that's what sped all this up and made it so intense. And to, you know, throw him in SAG and get him to cooperate before that one week was up and he was back home. But you know what? Why wasn't any of this used? Why wasn't any of this used to defend Jamie? I mean, that's the big picture here. You know, all these changing stories. He should have, his attorney should have put that police report in his face and made him read it (laughs) on the stand. I mean, that's just. Yeah. And why I don't understand why he couldn't say you're going to go home in one week. It does make me wonder, though, if the judge was in on it because he did try to get Ed to talk about his case. They just kept objecting to it. So maybe the judge wouldn't let any of that in and there was no way to to lead into that. Same way that he wouldn't let the cozy relationship in between the four of them in. That's a very lame reason. It's not it's not the same. It's not the same if she knows cats or of cats and that she's palling around with the Barkuses and having Easter dinner with them. Yeah, I mean, it's just it just really seems like maybe the the fix was in, like Jamie likes to say. And I did notice something that we talked about in the last episode that I thought was kind of funny. Jamie's defense attorney did ask Ed Palumbo on the stand about something he said during Susan Claycomb's trial. And nobody objected and it got in. So he said, oh, did you say this to Susan's defense attorney? And Ed said, Ed Palumbo says, yes, I did say that. And it goes, it goes off without a hitch and they talk about it. But when we're trying to ask a police officer what he said at that same trial or to the grand jury, that gets thrown out. You know, when they wanted to ask Detective Crow about what he had previously testified to about Jamie and about the lineup and about if other people had refused to go in, all of a sudden big objection and judges on their side and nobody ever gets to hear about it because the transcript wasn't there. But when Ed Palumbo's on the stand, yeah, they get to briefly talk about it. It's fine then. Ridiculous. It makes me so mad. It's just infuriating. It's such a hard case to cover because it's so... It's so wrong on every level. That's an understatement. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Every single thing you look at with the case, nothing went right. There's not one thing that you could say, well, they they had that right. At least I haven't found anything that I felt that way about. No, and every time we do an episode, every witness, there's just tons and tons of discrepancies. There's never one that went right, like you said. That is unusual. A lot of cases that are wrongful conviction, there are things that um, you can say the police did well or the judge got that right. In this case, there's nothing. Everything was fucked up. How many does it take? That's my question. How many does it take when you know that somebody put somebody on the stand? One person, one person right. knowingly perjured witness. Doesn't that tank the whole thing? See, that's what I always thought. But 
even Paul said it last week. He said, you put up 12, and if 10 of them are bullshit, but you get two of them that told the truth, now you have two. That's good enough. It's like, wait a minute. You put up 10 that lied. Shouldn't that just blow your whole case up? I, I, I say one because, you know, as we get into it, we'll see that, the you know, we have right. concrete proof. If that you're the, willing to use any of them at all, that means that your case sucks. Yes. But for some reason, we see this shit happen. So apparently our opinions are not uh, concrete. <laughs> In this episode, we showed just how easy it can be to get someone who is simply desperate to make up a murder confession. Ed Palumbo blamed Jamie for a crime he had just confessed to. Piled on Jamie, saying he supposedly confessed to murder, and then had his girlfriend, Shannon Schmidt, vouch for him. He was let go, but roped back in eight years later while in prison for another crime. He was thrown into seg and threatened with more time, so he caved said he didn't think his hearsay story should matter, but it put Jamie away for life. If you have any information that may help Jamie, please call the tip line at 888-710-SNOW. There is a $10,000 reward for any information leading to a new trial or the exoneration of Jamie Snow. Palumbo wasn't the only one who made up a story against Jamie to get out of Steig in prison time. The same threats were applied to another person, and a second confession was born. How did they get away with it? That's next time on Snow Files.